Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Burns Show. I'm your host, Tim Burns, the common man with common sense and an uncommon desire to know the truth. Well, we're going to get to some sound. And yes, it's very disturbing. I want to give you a heads up right now. Warning, warning, danger, Will Robinson. So we might as well get right to it, shall we? And that is to Obama's climate change speech. I didn't even get through this sound yesterday. And what do we have? We got new sound today. And I have no idea how long he spent talking about the Iran deal. But it's the same strategy. Put out either or scenarios. Either we do something now or the end of the world is at hand. Either we do something now or we have to go to war regarding Iran. Either we do something now or life as we know it from a climate point of view ends. It's always the threat of, well, the worst case scenario. So what we're going to do is get right to sound. I'm trying to Pick up where I left off yesterday. I couldn't find the quote regarding the billions of dollars that go to oil companies, but we'll get to that. The next decade. Combined with lower gas prices, these standards are on pace to save drivers an average of $700 at the pump this year. Oh, we got that one yesterday, didn't we? Double down on our investment in renewable energy. We're generating three times as much wind power, 20 times as much solar power as we did in 2008. Again, let's not be repetitive, but let's do a reminder here that all of the stimulus money that went to all of these green energy companies is what the statistics he's touting is all about. Without any of the government stimulus money, without government picking and choosing winners and losers in this world, in this green energy realm, well, those numbers don't come true, but they're true the way he sees them. And he's got tunnel vision. He looks at the statistics with one eye open. He doesn't want to bother himself with relative information that might create some context and might actually go from one-dimensional to three-dimensional as far as understanding is concerned. These steps are making a difference. Over the past decade, even as our economy has continued to grow, the United States has cut our total carbon pollution more than any other nation on Earth. Well, we've been doing that for decade upon decade upon decade. It is the private sector that wants to do it cleaner, that wants to do it better, more efficiently, 
Those are the two goals we should have with everything going forward. Again, like I said, the industrial revolution, the industrial age is not disappearing just because we want to turn off the fossil fuel light. There's many countries just entering, some yet to enter, and the goal should be those 22nd century technologies that America has led the world in in the past as far as new invention, new innovations, and to lead the world again by supplying them the stuff that their citizens will gladly want their governments to purchase. So what do we get? We get we've got to shut off the switch because it's when you'll hear him refer to it, dirty energy, dirty oil, dirty this, dirty that. Again, oil is the most unique biofuel there is. A barrel of oil contained in this non-volatile liquid, one might say, because if you separate out the molecules within that, you're going to find molecules that are super combustible like jet fuel. Almost that combustible like gasoline, lower combustibility molecules. It's a diverse mix of every kind of molecule, and it can only be used for that. If not, if you don't find a way to use the different molecules, you end up throwing it away like we did in the beginning of the industrial age here in this country. Henry Ford saw fumes coming off his gas tanks on his cars that he was building. Hired a scientist. Boom. Propane, the discovery. The drill bits, Vaseline, this, this ooze that was at the top of the drill bit, at the top of the pipes as they were doing it. And a little girl named Mabel took that Vaseline, mixed it with coal dust, boom, Maybelline. Half of a barrel of oil is not used for combustibility. It's used to mix it's used as the foundation for all kinds of products that we use, all the different plastics. So the, all, the whole goal for us is to create those technologies. If we build it, they will buy it. I promise you that. But we have to have an initiative. It first and foremost starts with becoming self-sufficient on oil. Once we become self-sufficient, once these technologies keep bringing down the price of production, next thing you know, we're producing it within the walls of our country cheaper than anybody else in the world. Why? Because of American creativity, entrepreneurial ingenuity. But we've got to have that landscape of economic freedom in order to actually pursue that. The wealth and the wealthy of any civilization, no matter how far back you go, is what funds invention and innovation. It is the wealth and the wealthy who take the risk. We have this notion, because of all the po politics that takes place, that once people get a tax cut and there's extra money, they just bury it in their mattress. That's not the way money works. Money is always looking for a home to make more money. And if there's plenty of prosperity, there's going to be more wealth looking to take that risk, looking to say, wow, I want to invest in that because that may provide me my American dream, my lottery ticket by making this investment without having to buy a lottery ticket.
oil. It is about making use of it. It's about creating those technologies. But if we have this attitude like, well, like you're hearing from the left and especially from the, the man who's representing it right now, Obama, it's, it's all about for them shutting the switch off. And they, sh- they have shown with green energy. Unless they fund it, nobody wants to invest in it. Why? Because it doesn't have, because people sit down and they say, well, show me how this works. Well, that doesn't look like it works. In fact, that looks like it worked 40 years ago. Why should I invest in old technology? That's the good news. <laughs> That's the good news. I end up with a round of applause. But I am here to say that if we want to protect our economy and our security and our children's health, we're going to have to do more. The science tells us we have to do more. No, the science tells us we need to pursue other venues besides government spending and dictating and saying these are the answers. And they've got their science wrong. Because why? Because scientists who are guiding him have a political outcome that's first and foremost for them. It kind of fits into the same mentality. Government, liberal bureaucrats want control. Somebody like Obama and Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid, if they could control 90, 95% of everything that's produced in this country, they really believe when they look in the mirror that they think they can do better than somebody like, oh, well, Bill Gates, Michael Dell, people who actually, government never has the better mousetrap. They don't invent the better mousetrap. It never comes from within the walls of government. Hence, Let's make sure that landscape of economic freedom, the, fr- the private sector, where we can be all, this is why our country has become the greatest in the history of mankind, because it gave anybody the ability to pursue their happiness. And if that is an idea, then they have that opportunity to be all they can be in the pursuit of that idea. That idea may not work, or it may be the next better mousetrap. Nobody knows, but you have to have capital. You have to have wealth in order to pursue those better mousetraps. Obama thinks all government has to do is pick and choose and fund whoever, and it's going to be successful. And he proved in about a two-year period of time that that whole philosophy does not work. I don't know what percentage of everything that stimulus money funded regarding green energy, how many of those businesses that were funded are no longer there? But what didn't happen? Did we have, out of all of that stimulus money being thrown at all of these green companies, did we have this big announcement of the next best, the next great mousetrap regarding green energy? No. What they were doing was funding the, well, the status quo as far as where the industry is at right now. This has been our focus these past six years. And it's particularly going to be our focus this month. 
In Nevada, later in August, I'll talk about the extraordinary progress we've made in generating clean energy and the jobs that come with it and how we can boost that even further. Well, that'll be a fun speech to we'll go over. We'll also be the first American president to visit the Alaskan Arctic, where our fellow Americans have already seen their communities devastated by melting ice and rising oceans. The impact on We went a life. little bit over that yesterday. Ridiculous. We're going to talk about what the world needs to do together to prevent the worst impacts of climate change before it's too late. And today we're here to announce America's Clean Power Plan, a plan two years in the making and the single most important step America has ever taken in the fight against global climate change. Uh, Listen to the woos and the wahs. Whoopee! Right now, our power plants are the source of about a third of America's carbon pollution. That's more. Okay, we're going to get to this, this carbon pollution. And I did a little bit of homework on carbon. Carbon is the building block of life. And so let's get through the rest of pollution that our cars have designated for this. Generate combined. That pollution contributes. I'd actually like to see those statistics. Which degrades the air our kids breathe. But there have never been federal limits on the amount of carbon that power plants can dump into the air. Think. Are you kidding me? No federal limit. You mean there is nobody in the EPA history? who've gone to a power plant and watched the smoke pouring out? Well, if that's really true, if his statement right there is really true, that means business by itself. These power plants, anybody who is polluting, has taken it upon themselves to create technologies that make less pollution. He's just confirmed that the real answers lie in the private sector, not in government. About that. We limit the amount of toxic chemicals like mercury and sulfur and arsenic in our air or our water, and we're better off for it. But existing power plants can still dump unlimited amounts of harmful carbon pollution into the air. For the- that is just such a ridiculous statement. A look at our car exhaust, because that's what he's talking about. He's talking not about carbon coming out. He's talking about the molecule that's connected that makes carbon. What's the poison? Stick your nose up to a tailpipe of a car and see how long you can last. Carbon monoxide is the poison. Carbon dioxide is a natural ingredient to life. Life would not exist without it. And carbon is the building block of life. And yet... It's all lumped together. So we can hear that word carbon and immediately associate it with carbon equals pollution. So they lump it all together. What they're referring to is carbon monoxide. But then you lump all three elements. Well, carbon monoxide is more of a a poisonous gas. And that is come that does come from combustibility. It does come from the burning. But there's also great benefits 
to fire. We're going to go over that. So this is already, he's looking to have a narrow focus. So this talking point, so we can, we don't have the time to do our homework, do we? It's certainly not being taught in schools. So what do we get? We get this battering of the word carbon, which should be separated out and should be understood for the details that are the pollution and that aren't the pollution, but yet it goes into one lump sum. So over time, the same typical thing happens. We hear it enough. We shrug our shoulders. It must be true. I've heard it enough. Sake of our kids and the health and safety of all Americans, that has to change. For the sake of the planet, that has to change. So two years ago, I directed Gina and the Environmental Protection Agency to take on this challenge. She's no scientist. Today, after working with states and cities and power companies, the EPA is setting the first ever nationwide standards to end the limitless. They have no scientists within the EPA. They're all a bunch of bureaucrats. They've been there forever. They're going to retire with 100% of their pay, and yet they're making the scientific decisions. They're creating the statistical cutoff points, the statistical mandates. Government is lousy at doing this. You cannot mandate economic evolution. You must create the landscape that allows that to happen, that allows those better mousetraps to be discovered. It's all about discovery. All right, we'll come back, finish up this first part on the Tim Burns Show here on 810 KLVZ. Tim Burns for Nominal Exhibit Services. The convention business is big business. Why? Because big business is done at these conventions. 20%, 40 half the business for the entire year can be done at these conventions. If it's time for your company to step up and you just don't know where to start, I encourage you to call Nominal Exhibit Services. Not one company does it all, but one company takes care of all the logistics, and that's Nominal Exhibit Services. Call them at 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. Remember Hank's story about the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time? Yeah, you were right. JT Jewelry does have some really cool stuff. So I did what Hank did. Got Amy two pieces of jewelry, and she loved them. And that special touch of going together to the jewelry store to get her pendant just the way she wanted it worked like a charm. Next time you see Hank, tell him thanks. I will, but let me tell you another story. I saw Bill, and he looked like a truck had run him over. I asked him what was wrong, and he said he went to a bunch of other jewelry stores looking to get a gift for Jean. And they had all the same stuff, and it was nothing but bling by all the same designers. He stepped up to the pump, spent a pretty good penny, and gave it to her, and she loved it. So he was a hero. Yep, but only until they went to a wedding reception a few days later. As people were introducing themselves, a lady came up, and they both noticed they were wearing the exact same pendant. Youch! Yep, he's been in the doghouse ever since. I'm gonna guess you told him about jt-jewelry.com. Yes, I did. 
right, let's get back to this tape. This is, uh, I got three segments here, and uh, I don't know where if I've, I've, there's one of the stereo, one of the mantras that we've heard over and over about subsidies going to oil companies, and I want to get to that and give you a little context. Dumping of carbon pollution from power plants. Again, I'd like to see those statistics. Here's how it works. Over the next few years, each state will have the chance to put together its own plan for reducing emissions. You've got to catch this one. Every has a different energy mix. Some generate more of their power from renewables. Some from natural gas or nuclear. Wow, so he's giving states a chance to make their decisions by themselves. He's giving autonomousness to the states. No federal interference whatsoever, right? That's what it sounds like. Coal. And this plan reflects the fact that not everybody's starting in the same place. So we're giving states the time and the flexibility they need to cut pollution in a way that... Ooh, here comes the idle threat. ...works for them. And we'll reward the states that take action sooner instead of later. Ah, there it is. We've got money for you if you do what we say. If you don't, you're not going to get any money from the federal government. We know you need it. All right, so that ends that first table. Let's jump right into the second one here that fast forward slightly. Sister Joan Marie Stedman has helped rally Catholic women across America to take on climate. Sister, thank you so much for your leadership. And she's got a pretty important guy on her side. Uh, yes, another guy just like you, Mr. President, who has no clue scientifically about what he's talking about. But I guess you know how to read or I guess you know how to have briefings on it. And I guess they give you that set of talking points that you've got down to a fine art, just like the Pope does now, because that's who he's referring to. As Pope Francis made clear in his... Uh, encyclical this summer taking a stand against the one thing the pope made clear is how absolutely ignorant how he's being used as a puppet just like obama is regarding the climate change scientists coming up with whatever information they want those within the walls of government in order to create the disasters around the corner mentality in order to get well in order to get government to start taking money from the taxpayer and redistributing it into this. Because climate change is a moral obligation, and Sister Stedman is living up to that obligation every single day. Now, let, let's be clear. There will That's a pretty sad, sad thing, that your entire fiber and being revolves around a bunch of fake, a bunch of falsified, a bunch of made-up scientific data. And you've devoted your entire life pursuit at this point to something that's, well, it certainly needs to be reevaluated once again. It needs to be looked in the context with both eyes open. It needs to be looked into the, with the context of doing the scientific study, the scientific research, and letting the conclusions speak for themselves. Not starting with a conclusion 
and mixing and matching and picking and choosing which figures and facts fit the conclusion that you actually want as the outcome. It's what they call bass backwards. There will be critics of what we're trying to do. There will be cynics that say it cannot be done. Long before the details of this clean... Yeah, cynics. Like the 31,000-plus actual climate scientists who've said all of what you're talking about is false. It's all made-up data. These are people in the know. But no, what do we get? 97% of climate scientists say, well, that was 75 out of 77 at some conference, and I'm just surprised it wasn't 100%. At least two of those people at that climate convention said to themselves you know we need a little more data than this what is everybody on board there's not enough data to make a decision like this power plant were even decided the special interests and their allies in congress were already mobilizing to oppose it with everything they've got they will claim that this plan will cost you money even though this plan the analysis shows will ultimately save the average american nearly 85 dollars a year on their energy bills yeah a carbon tax at 3.8 percent two point whatever the percentage it is a carbon tax is actually going to save us money no it's going to take more money out of our pockets that could be left to build our own prosperity to build our own american dreams oh 3.8 percent doesn't sound like much does it of course not but you add all of those other ones all of those taxes and surcharges and fees and this and that, well, they do add up to real money. Then you add in a corporate tax of 35%. No wonder American business is looking for foreign companies to buy them out. They want to survive. They can't survive in this environment anymore. You can't keep taking the ability that has given us and has be, let us become the greatest country in the history of mankind. You cannot keep sapping out that fuel and that capital and that wealth, all of the ingredients it takes to pursue that better mousetrap. They'll claim we need to slash our investments in clean energy. It's a waste of money. Even well, you certainly wasted a lot of that money. No, they're happy to spend billions of dollars a year in subsidizing oil companies. Oh, there we get it. Okay, let's put a pause on this. We have got to go over the billions of dollars of subsidized of subsidization going to oil companies. Now, what's the figure you've usually heard? Four billion dollars. That's they haven't updated it. Maybe it's less now. Maybe Congress did cut some of it back. We're talking about four billion dollars. By itself, does that sound like a lot of money? You bet. That's a huge chunk of change that could be going to, well, it could be used for other situations. It's a big chunk of change, but let's look at it relative to how much revenues come in to oil companies. It's nothing. If you look at it in the context, do you know that the top... 40 oil companies in the world, oil and gas companies in the world, the top 40, only six of them are United States in the whole top 40. 
Exxon's at number four, Chevron at number eight, Valero 11, Marathon 18, Conoco and Enterprise are at 29 and 30. You add up all the revenues from all of those six U.S. oil, because that's where the subsidy has to go. I mean, we're not subsidizing foreign oil companies, are we? I don't think so. You add up all those six companies, U.S. companies, that's $916 billion. What is $4 billion of subsidies? Now, I've got to assume these are grandfathered subsidies that go way, way back. And, yes, they may help out smaller footprint situations, and they may be useful, and they may not be. I guess we'd have to go over them itemized one by one. But $4 billion, as Obama puts it, billions of dollars going to the oil companies, $4 billion into 900 is about $0.40 cents on a $100 restaurant bill. You go to a restaurant, spend 100 bucks, and you tip the waiter for $0.40. Cents. That's the context of how much is being subsidized versus how much revenue actually comes in. These were 2014 revenues. So this is how the liberal mentality works regarding that. Just put out one piece of the puzzle and make up whatever you want about it. All right, stick around on the Tim Burns Show. We're going to get to more sound. Ranger Station. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting, as in Smokey Bear. Uh-huh. I was about to start up my ATV on a trail near a bunch of dry brush, and Ooh. Smokey told me that was dangerous because mm. one spark can start a wildfire. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wildfires are caused by humans? No kidding. I'm a forest ranger. We never kid. Sorry. Kidding. Get your Smokey on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. You've just seen your doctor, and he's ordered blood work, x-rays, and other tests. But what does it all mean? Well, you should ask. The single most important thing you can do for your health is to ask questions. Be an informed and active member of your health care team. Remember, your health begins with you. To learn the types of questions to ask, get the brochure, be prepared for medical appointments at ahrq.gov consumer. A message from the U.S. Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. Tim Burns for DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. I want to tell you about some really good people. What started as one phone call from northern New Mexico in 2007 has turned into rescuing 500 and giving good homes to 500 animals a year. You know, they need your help. They need your donations. They do it all out of the goodness of their heart, out of their own pockets. I encourage you to give them a generous donation if you give to dog rescue operations. Go to DoggyDogWorldRescue.com and give generously. All right, welcome back. Let's get right back to the tape here because 
I'm really sorry for interrupting our president. He's got so much to say, and I just get carried away trying to actually supply facts integrated into the fantasy that we, we get told day after day by this guy. <laughs> no offense, but my goodness, do a little homework for yourself, Mr. President. They'll claim this plan will kill jobs, even though our transition to a cleaner energy economy has the solar industry, to just name one example, creating jobs 10... And why does the solar energy... Why is the industry creating jobs? Because of all the subsidized money that went to it. That's the jobs he's counting. Those were actually jobs he created. The economy didn't create these jobs. Government created the jobs by trying to pick who would be the next inventor of the better mousetrap, and none of them came up with a better mousetrap. It's all old technology as far as I'm concerned. Times faster than the rest of the economy. They'll claim this plan is a war on coal. Well, he already won the war on coal. Again, let me remind you. Take all of energy producing that turns that energy into electricity. Coal is at the top. Whether it's diesel, heating oil, Solar, wind, natural gas, take all of those energies, leave coal aside, take them all. All of the energies that produce electricity don't add up to how coal produces electricity. A war on coal? Well, that was accomplished because he said we necessarily have to see electricity prices skyrocket. Why? Because he went after the coal industry. Coal produces almost 60%, almost two-thirds of all the electricity in this country. And coal, uh, electricity prices, they've been going up every single month. They are at the all-time high this country has ever paid. You won, Mr. President, on that one. And yet he's coming out and telling us this. It's just, in, it's incredible that we have a deadhead media that refuses to hold government accountable, especially when their political outcomes match up, especially when they're rooting for it. So much for the idea of a fourth estate standing tall. This tower of education of we the people does not exist. To scare up votes, even as they ignore my plan to actually invest in revitalizing coal country and supporting health care and retirement for coal mining. Oh, that's his idea of investing in coal, is to hand out benefits, is to arbitrarily raise pay. Pay raises come from production. The more efficient they become at producing coal, the higher those wages will come and the potential for benefits like, well, like education and government people get. ...and their families and retraining those workers for better paying jobs. Oh, here it really comes out. Hey, either fund them for better pensions, better plans, wait, wait, or offer training because remember... I'm shutting down the coal industry. I'm going after coal. So what's your alternative? This brand new, great new technologies of coal that we could ship out to the world 
China and India, between them, every week a new coal plant is going up. The highest polluting coal power plants there are on in the world. We have such an opportunity if they would just let us create these new technologies to get out of the way, to let the better mousetrap happen. No. This would... We would have a surplus for 200-plus years. And healthier jobs. Communities across America have been losing coal jobs for decades. Yeah. Well, it happened on steroids once you got into office. I want to work with Congress to help them. Not to use them as a political football. Which you just did. You used the entire coal industry in your world of politics. Partisan press releases aren't going to help those families. Even more cynical, we've got critics of this plan who are actually claiming that this will harm minority and low-income communities, even though climate change hurts. See, this is, he just doesn't understand how economies work, how the American economy works, how American civilization works. He doesn't understand that... The more opportunity there is out there, the more lower income people can find a new job, can find a better job. There are no better jobs out there. There's a job that you get it, you don't like it, you better keep it because you may not find another job. Those Americans the most, who are the most vulnerable. Today, an African-American child is more than twice as likely to... You want to know how the inner city feels in his hometown? I have that video up on TimBurnsShow.com. Right down at the bottom, it's the Chicago inner city activists. It's about four and a half minutes. It is the most powerful... Well, I can tell you what. Obama will not be inviting those four people to the White House. Let me put it that way. And they are just spot on with what Obama has done in his presidency to the inner city. Be hospitalized from asthma. A Latino child is 40% more likely to die from asthma. So if you care about low-income minority communities, start protecting the air that they breathe and stop trying to rob them of their health care. The longest cheer for the children. This is truly a liberal audience in the White House here. <laughs> or wherever he is, American University or where. Oh, that was today. <laughs> and the cheering goes on. <laughs> because it's about the children. We're here to save the children. We care about the children. Well, if you really care about the children, why don't you start with an education system that actually teaches our children? You also expand Medicaid in your states, by the way. That was nice. <laughs> oh, that's it. Here it comes. Expand Medicare in your states. Please hook yourself. Get your, let us get our hooks into you each state with our Medicare money. Why? Because if we give you that Medicare money, Medicaid money, what's going to happen? We get to dictate the rules in your state. That's what's so important about getting the states back to having their own fiscal policies and to get 
away from having all of this federal money. The first place it starts is with a tax plan that actually doesn't send money to Washington in the first place. That keeps money at the local level. Because when you send it to Washington and it's earmarked to come back to the state anyway, well, what happens? All the way there, nickels and dimes are taken off of it. All the way back, nickels and dimes are taken off of it. And instead of having a dollar in your local district, you get 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar back because of all the bureaucracy that needs to be funded going there and coming back. Um. All right, that's enough of that tape. Let's go right to the next one here. This is pretty good, I think. I think. It's it's, it's true. It's it's true. Yeah, I'm going to go off script here just for a second. Oh, no. Uh, Because this is important, because sometimes I think we feel as if there's nothing we can do. He's going off script. There's something we can do. Somehow we feel. Boy, he is so defining of a liberal, always making decisions. You know, life, in the reality of life, you can either think with your feelings, you can make your decisions always through your emotions, and I can promise you, you go with your gut feeling or start flipping coins, you're going to get led astray. It shouldn't. Life The experience, the human experience should not be all about thinking with your feelings, which is the liberal way of life. That's a liberal mentality. It should be about feeling what you're thinking. That's why I always say when you got one of these critical decisions to make, when that bridge of decision is is in front of you and you want to go with your motive, my gut feeling is telling me, take a step back. You may make the same decision, but take a step back and think about it. Put all the evidence on the table and think about it. You may make the same decision in life, but even the process of taking a step back, instead of letting your emotions control you, you now have an exercise whereby you can control your emotions. And it is so healthy for you. All right, here we go again. Uh, Tomorrow's my birthday. So I'm starting to reflect on, on age and, uh, and, and in thinking about what we were doing here today, I was reminded about uh, landing in Los Angeles. Boy, he's really off script. As a freshman. Uh, 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 and it was late August. Listen to the Los Angeles here. I was, I was moving from Hawaii. And... Uh, uh. To the campus, and, and I decided I had uh, pent up energy, and I wanted to go to. Ah, he's going to go out for a jog. After about five minutes, suddenly I had this weird feeling, like I couldn't breathe. And the reason was, is back in 1979, uh, Los Angeles still was so full of smog that. Uh, there were days where people who were vulnerable just could not go outside, and they were fairly frequent. He's giving him, he's giving us his Los Angeles experience in 1979. Well, I'll give you my Los Angeles experience because I was born and raised in L.A. We lived 
after getting out of South Central L.A., we lived in what I referred to as Smog Valley, straight out 10 as you head towards Palm Desert, about 50 miles east of L.A. We called it Smog Valley because we lived five miles away from the foothills called the San Gabriel Mountains, and above that was Mount Baldy, for those of you in Southern California who know the landscape. Our big thrill. Now, I was born in L.A. in 57. We lived there until we moved to to Alabama in 1968. And then we came back in 1971. I can tell you from practicing Pop Warner football and wearing wet rags in my mouth to filter out the smog, our big, when I walked out my front door five miles away, if I could see the mountains, that was going to be a beautiful day. Nine out of 10 days, even more. 98 out of 100 days, you couldn't see those mountains. Then the next thing to look at is if you could see the eucalyptus trees that are about a mile and a half up the road. If those eucalyptus trees couldn't be seen, it was really going to be a bad day. He's right about the funny feeling in the lungs because we were kids and we played and played because that's what kids do. And boy, you really had a shortness of breath. But the smog that I grew up in and you go out to L.A. today and even in 1979, the amount of progress that took place in 10 to 15 years, he needed to backtrack himself into the late 60s or into the mid-60s to see what smog was really like. And it was not government mandates cleaning it up. It was the private sector saying, you know, if we just create, if I can create this better mousetrap that takes more particulates out of the air, I'm going to be able to sell this to all these power companies. This is how this stuff works. This is how we need it to work. And so you, Mr. President, you can talk smog, but you don't know smog. And this is what the landscape of economic freedom can provide as long as they stay out of the way. As long as they give us that opportunity to be all we can, that next great inventor who may be, well, he may be one of these inner city kids that will never discover who he wants to be when he grows up because we have an education system that is so one-sized-fits-all They'll never discover. Again, if I ran an edge, I have a whole idea, a whole landscape of an education system with a curriculum that first and foremost starts with what Thomas Jefferson said, reading, writing, arithmetic. People show talent, then you put them into a special school that takes advantage of that talent. We could do a lot of things. The other thing I would like to see is a curriculum that revolves around the basic linchpins of civilization. Food, water, energy. Can you imagine kids learning how water systems work, how food is grown? All right, I'm going to come back here and do a little carbone. Stick around.
Tim Burns Phenomenal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions, and if you are the responsible party, your company, for making those exhibits work right on the convention floor, and it seems that it's nothing but hassles and headaches and nightmares, that the logistics just aren't working, I encourage you to make a phone call to Nominal Exhibit Services. They're the one place that starts and ends the process. They take you from point A to point B, and they will free up the most important thing you need, time to do business at these conventions. Conventions. So call them, 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. I'm going to get Sue something from this really cool jewelry website. What's the special occasion? There isn't one, but I was talking to Hank, and he said he went to JT Jewelry and got Jill something. And funny story, he was watching a movie and heard the line, the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. He goes to JT Jewelry and not only got her a pair of earrings, he got her a pendant too. He gives her the earrings and she loved them. A few minutes later, he gives her the pendant and tells her, let's go to the jewelry store and get fitted into a necklace that's just the way you want it. He got her two pieces of jewelry? Yeah, he said the prices were so good he couldn't resist, but the story gets better. They went to a company outing and the boss's wife saw the pendant and just loved it. Jill was a hit of the party. That must have made him feel good. Good? Hank said the night might have been even better than his wedding night. (laughs) (laughs) What's that website again? JT-Jewelry.com away from common sense in this country and until we get first and foremost until we get a foothold in common sense we're never going to make any headway against all of the misinformation against all of the error that's coming our way the vanity of fantasies that's got all the power now and these philosophies that (laughs) that are so they're so focused within the realm of I feel good about believing this. Again, thinking with your feelings will get you nowhere fast. But putting pieces of the puzzle on the table and evaluating those people pieces and keep looking for more pieces and more pieces and pretty soon you've got a whole table full of pieces of the puzzle and next thing you know without even knowing it you see pieces starting to fit together that's what we need to do all right let's do a little bit of this carbon because again carbon is being used as the scapegoat carbon monoxide is the poison carbon dioxide is the most natural ingredient that this world needs as far as life is concerned and carbon itself is the building block of life nothing takes place as far as living matter is concerned plant or animal without carbon now the human body (laughs) i guess the human body must be almost 20 percent a pollutant Uh, Should I offer 
my arm or my leg. Hey, yeah, take uh, 20% of my body. 18.5% of the human body is made of carbon. And yet we have, we have a government or the people within that government right now trying to tell us that the most natural life-building ingredient is a pollutant. Carbon dioxide. We breathe it out. Plants breathe it in. In fact, carbon dioxide was one of the first ingredients. You know where lots of carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide come from? Come from volcanoes. In fact, before there was any life, volcano activity going on above and below the ground was spewing out large amounts of carbon dioxide before life even happened. But it was that carbon dioxide and the buildup thereof that provided the landscape upon which life could happen. Now, I was reading about carbon, and it's very com- it is the sixth largest element in the universe. And we want to do away? Well, if Obama has his way, and we do away with carbon, we're going to be doing away with the a sixth of you, the sixth largest ingredient in the universe. 65% of the human body is oxygen. Carbon dioxide. Carbon and oxygen combined together as a molecule. And it is the whole photosynthesis process that takes that carbon dioxide and splits it and processes it you know carbon look at it this way carbon is so necessary for life it's like a computer you can have codes you can even you can even make an analogy about dna science has all these ingredients of life and i've got a whole article that i'll go over about the ingredients of life they see them in three and a half billion year old rock And I read you that comment from that one scientist who said, well, you can't go from these simple ingredients and all of a sudden have this complex coded DNA. In a life, uh, in simple life, like protoplasm, first germ, there is DNA and it has code. Science just can't get over the fact of how it goes from these ingredients and just happens. So what do they do? They create a toxic ooze, of a pool of toxic ooze. They throw a bolt of lightning in it. And because they see that it's, these ingredients are in the rock three and a half billion years ago, voila, life must have happened three and a half billion years ago. Life couldn't happen three and a half billion years ago because it was nothing but a molten lava volcano active planet. It didn't, it didn't even have a crust at that point. Well, if you look at carbon and what it does in the ground, what it does in the process of converting, look at it like a computer. You can have code, programs, files, folders, all of the ingredients that a computer, but without a microprocessor to organize, to intelligently organize and mix and match all of these ingredients 
without a microprocessor, I don't care how many files and folders you have, how many codes, how many programs, the computer will never work without a microprocessor. That's what carbon acts as. Carbon is the microprocessor of, of life, of living matter. Carbon is that ingredient that does all of the conversion of carbon dioxide. It turns carbon dioxide, it liquefies the carbon in carbon dioxide through photosynthesis gets turned into what scientists call liquid carbon and is used by the root system. You know, there's, there's, if you really want carbon is so necessary. If we really wanted to do something really good, you know, topsoil is that process that I just talked about. That's how you get topsoil. It's the remnants left over from that whole process. Topsoil is good, right? Topsoil comes from, first and foremost, fire. Fire creates that decomposition. If we really were smart, I took a drive through southern Colorado and mountain after mountain, valley after valley, the incomplete forest is dead. Do we want to wait 40 years and have it decompose naturally? Or do we want to help out Mother Nature? would be very, very healthy if we could control how to burn those mountains. That would take out 40 years of waiting time. All right, we'll get to more of this tomorrow. Have a great day. Go, don't forget TimBurnShow.com and tell someone you love about the Tim Burns Show. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.